Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thankful to be in your house. Thankful to sing sweet music to you. After what has been a busy week, it's good to come into sanctuary. To take a moment and think about where life is and where it's headed and the difference that you make in our lives. It's good to be reminded that you have brought us to this very place at this very moment because you love us. It's good to sit around the table and remember the sacrifice given for us. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, may it remind us who you are. May it remind us our standing in you, Lord, if we follow after you. May it remind us of the line drawn in the sand and a choice that needs to be made. Lord, for anyone who hasn't made that choice this morning or up until this point, I pray that you'd be working on their hearts in a powerful way this morning. As we look at your word, Lord, make it alive for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Scriptures from John chapter 8, 12 through 19. And I'm going to ask you if you have your Bible, open it. And it'd be twice as good if you have a red letter edition because there's a lot of red letters in this passage, right? <laughs> this is a dialogue. This, this passage in John 8 is a discussion. And I don't know about you, some people love to discuss things. A verbal joust, as you may say. And some people run as far and as fast as they can away from those kind of discussions. But you can see real quick in this passage that Jesus makes a statement. And the Pharisees are all over him. They're all over him like, bang. And they fire right back. And so Jesus pokes the bear a little bit to make them think. And that's the challenge for us today. I, I, I pray that God's poking you just a, bit, a little bit today to make you think. Verse 12, John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your own testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is is valid. For I know where I came, and I know where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge me by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. 
In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am the one that testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they ask him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning as we prepare to sit around the table. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's right, Kenny. Where do you got to be? You don't have to be anywhere till lunchtime, right? <laughs> yes, you're making lunch for your wife. She said so. <laughs> so uh, we're in. <laughs> we'll get the ball rolling here. We are in the second week of the I Am ser- uh, series that we have been. Um, we had planned to do for the seven weeks of Lent. It got kind of mixed up because we've had some special guests, and we will have a couple more special guests, but fear not, uh, we have a plan. It's always good to have a plan, right? So I just want to let you know that we will, I'll be dealing with uh, one I am this week. We'll be, Mark will be dealing with one next week. Uh, Brother Mike Bartlett will be here on Wednesday nights. Uh, is there four weeks, Mike? Three. Three weeks. Three, oh yeah, that's right. I can't count to seven. There's only six. Um, there are, there are three IMs that we won't get to in service, but we won't uh, want have an opportunity to talk about those. So I would encourage you to come on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Uh, Mike will be t- leading those three weeks of IMs uh, as we work our way into the Lenten, uh, through the Lenten uh, time and to the cross. So I want to talk, uh, we have three minutes. Ready, go. <laughs> Sorry, it's going to be a... I'll chop, but it's only going to be a little bit less. No, yeah, no speed, yeah. (laughs) So I have a question for you this morning. Is Jesus your I am? Now don't answer the question yet, please. I'll ask it again. Is Jesus your I am? Now you may think you have the answer right now. But I'm going to ask you to save it to the end before you th- and think about it as we work through this passage. As I was talking about this passage, this passage is Jesus in a conversation with a bunch of Pharisees. And, and you know, as you watch him go through and do his ministry, it seems like he always seemed to find these guys who were out to get after him, right? They were always, there was always this uh, button heads pushing back and forth. And Jesus would make a statement, and they would have trouble with that statement. Or they would look for ways to try to get after him. And in this I am statement, he says, I am the light of the world. Oh, you know what? It's going to be hard to change the thing if I don't find the... Uh Uh-oh. Ah, thank you. It was going so well. I'm just thankful for Julie. She knew where it was. <laughs> I wouldn't have not have found it. I'd have been looking to next week. So Jesus has this, I am the light of the world. And I don't know about you, but does that sound like it's all that uh, threatening to you? As a statement? I am the light of the world. Yeah, right? Why does that bother these Pharisees so much? 
If you remember when Mike uh, taught a couple weeks ago, he talked about the I am from Exodus. The I am were, were uh, the burning bush and, and tell them that I am. And it's, it's a, a very distinct reference to God. And so they knew that. They heard that. So Jesus makes the claim right off the bat. I am the light of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like it's all that intriguing or all that difficult to deal with, right? We spend a lot of time in Scripture looking at things that are light versus things that are dark. The darkness, the black versus uh, light. And we look at good and evil, right? We're, we're really good at putting those two together. And if Jesus was the light of the world, he would be the good. And, and we always put Satan in the dark and the evil. And so that part makes sense to us. But what we don't know is that we don't stand in the Jewish uh, culture um, and they knew some of the Old Testament. And they knew uh, Psalms where it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. And I can't believe that they, when, they, when he, Jesus made that, I am the light of the world, the Pharisees went right to that passage. And there's another piece of this that we miss because we don't do the Jewish festivals. Whether you, I don't know if you realize it or not, but there's this festival called the Festival of Booths booths or uh, tabernacles and it's a festival the jewish uh people love festivals they have lots of festivals they have lots of things to commemorate the memories that god took them somewhere or took them out of something um, and protected them and continued to carry them on and this is what this one this one is still actually practiced today uh it's not the same day every year it's it's actually in eight days and this year it's september 23rd through the 30th and they used to, and I don't know if they still do, but the, the synagogues in Erie used to do uh, Feast of the uh, Tabernacles. Uh, um, they would do it, and then they would have allow people to come in and check it out. So you'd have a under, better understanding of the Feast of the Tabernacles. But anyway, the Feast of the Tabernacles was this eight-day uh, feast that the Jews would do. They would, um, in order to commemorate the beginning of it, they would get rid of all their leaven. All the bread, any bread that had leaven in it, anything that had leaven would chalked it. It's gone. That would help them to remember that they were given manna and they didn't have any, they didn't, weren't allowed to wait long enough for the leavened bread to, to rise. They had to roll. And so that helped them to remember. The other thing they would do is they would build in their backyards. Uh, this is a present day one. They would build in their backyards these booths. And they would literally go out and kind of live in these booths for, it's a good thing it's September and not December around here, right? Or February, March. <laughs> they would live in these booths uh, for these eight days. And that would help them to remember that God had protected them in the midst of their, their wandering towards the promised land. But that wasn't the piece. Now that was what was going on the night before Jesus was, was to say the light of the world. But that wasn't the most important part. The most important part was the reminder that he was the light of the world. One of the things that they did at the, the Feast of the Tabernacles was they had these candelabras. Do you know what candelabras are? That's before LED lights, okay? They would be 75, 80 feet high. And they would have these candelabras and they would light them for the festival of the tabernacles. They would have two or three of them, and they would light them, and they'd be way above the tops of everything else, and it would shine amongst the city. The light would shine all over the place. And so, but with the, within Jewish heritage, everything has meaning. 
And that, that candelabra reminded the Jews that God had, re, had delivered them to the promised land through a, a, a pillar of fire and a cloud during the day. And that candelabra reminds the Jews, and when they saw that, they would, it would light up the whole city, and it reminded them that God had taken them there. God had taken them to the promised land. And so when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, it wasn't just this light versus dark thing. It was, I am that candelabra. I am that God who has delivered you. Because otherwise, why would you, ask, you would ask yourself, why would those Pharisees jump right on it? They were all over them. They fought right back. Because he knew, they knew what he was saying. He, they knew he was the I am, right? The second thing that, that uh, Jesus does in the midst of this is that he forces a response. And I believe that he forces a response in our own lives. He forces a response in our lives to ask the question, is Jesus your I am? Pokes the bear a little bit, right? Some of us just love to do this. Some of us are antagonists by nature. And it's easy to just poke the bear and see what happens, right? When we were kids, that's what we did. We poked. And I think Jesus is just challenging the Pharisees of the day. And he pokes the bear. He says, hey, you have to make a decision. He says, I know where I'm going. I know where I came from. And I know where I'm going. And you guys don't. He says, I don't need, I don't need your approval because I know who I am. He says, you judge by your human eyes. And I judge by God's eyes. Now one of the struggles uh, in the Christian faith is that we, it takes faith to believe, right? And we live in a world now who believe, that believes that science is the end all. That if you can't solve it with science, or if you can't answer the question um, scientifically, or if you can't prove it, it doesn't exist. Right? We live in that world. And if, and if you haven't been in the college arena, I, I just talked to a young man a week ago who, who, we, who we talked about this uh, for about an hour, about his faith. He says, I don't mind looking like an idiot, but I want to make sure I understand where I line up. And I get it. But we live in this world where we believe that science is the end all, that everything in science is the truth. And you know what? It is the truth for that moment. But I would challenge you to look at science as it continues to change daily. What is believed one day, I will tell you that when I was a kid, eggs were the best thing that ever happened. When I was a teenager, eggs were the worst thing you could ever eat. And guess what? Eggs are back to being good for you again. All due to science. And that's just a one really simple... That, Food, it works for me, right? <laughs> Food, it works for you. Eggs. The reality is that we have to have a lot of faith in many different things. See, because whether we like it or not, we do exercise our faith in a lot of different ways. I want to give you an example. Oh, these are four examples. Oh, they're a lot smaller than I had hoped. These are some examples of where you exercise your faith on an almost daily or weekly basis. 
When you cross the road and there's a car coming, and you're in that nice little crosswalk with white lines, and you fully believe that that car is going to stop, you have exercised your faith. Because there is no reason that car has to stop except these little white lines that will not stop that car. When you go to the pharmacy, because your doctor wrote, you, you have a lot of faith. You have a lot of faith that your doctor wrote this piece of paper that you can't read, that he can't read, and the pharmacist can't read, and that you're going to get the right medicine. You have a lot of faith, right? We have a lot of faith that the pharmacy tech pharmacist is going to read that and get me the right stuff. Or that that pharmacist doesn't have some uh, thing to get out after me and want to poison me. We have faith that uh, the brakes are changed on our car and that they didn't cut the lines when they were done. Or that they even put the brakes back on. The, four, the top one in the corner, I like this one, because this probably hits closest to home. You have faith that when you take your check, your piece of paper, to the bank, they're going to cash it, right? You have faith that they're going to put that money into your account. You realize that that is not guaranteed, even in this computer world we live? A year ago, I had two checks go to the wrong account. In this computer world that we live, it's not guaranteed. Do you realize that you live in a very blessed nation that your money is guaranteed by an insurance company? Have you thought about that? We just assume we put our check in there. We don't care if the bank gets robbed, right? Who cares? Someone's going to pay us our money. When I was in Haiti uh, back in 2000, I rode to church with the pastor of the of the church we were going to, and he would take the tithe. And uh, if you don't know much about Haiti, there, were, there are no such thing as banks. There are these little huts, literally wooden huts. That's as much as a bank as you're going to get in Haiti. So the pastor would have the tithe of a two or 300-person church in his hands. But they did, I mean, this place is rough. So he had built into the console of his car a trap door, he would take the top trap door off, and underneath there was another container in which he held the money securely so that no one knew where his money was. Because he wanted to take that money to use to help people, God's tithe, but he had nowhere he could put it. And so we, we work and we live in this world where we actually believe that everything is just guaranteed. And I challenge that idea because I believe that we need to begin to look through the eyes of faith in our spiritual walks like we do in a lot of areas of our own life. Finally, he draws a line. He draws a line in the sand in one line, the last, the last verse. He says, you don't know me or my father, because if you did, you would know my father also. Ouch. He hits him right between the eyes. He says, if you knew who my father was, you'd know who I was. So I ask you the question, is Jesus your I am? Can you make that claim that Jesus is the Lord of your life? Because that's what Jesus came to earth. He says to these Pharisees, I am 
the Lord your God. I am the God that created this world. Now, for some of us, we choose not to choose. Right? If I don't choose, then I can sit on the fence. In the words of uh, an old rock band, Rush, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. If you choose not to decide, you still made a choice. And so that's the challenge this morning. You gotta pick a side. You gotta pick a side. Will you follow this Jesus? Or will you go your own way? That's the question. The line's been drawn in the sand. The line was drawn in the sand for the Pharisees. And they knew it. <laughs> that was their struggle, right? They didn't believe that this Jesus was God incarnate. They struggled with that. And for us, I think we struggle with that. Is Jesus your I am? Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning and we're reminded that you are the light of the world. That Lord, you make the difference in our lives when nothing else makes sense. Soften our hearts, open our eyes. Lord, bring us to the altar this morning if that's where we need to be. If we need to lay our pride, if we need to lay our agenda our issues, whatever they are. Lord, if we need to lay them on the, on the altar this morning, I pray that you'd be opening our hearts to do that. Lord, if we don't have a relationship with you this morning, I pray that you would challenge us to begin that relationship today. Lord, if we have a relationship but we're, we're letting it slack, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us to grow closer to you, that we, Lord, would dig deep, into your word and hear you. In your name we pray. Amen.